0: believe, and become. Enjoy. Good morning again. So good to see everyone. Glad you're here. Hi, moms. Hi. Happy Mother's Day. Glad you're here. Um, I am so full right now um, spiritually. We just came back. uh, We had about 25 guys go down and have a, a men's weekend these past few days, and it was so great. Um, we just we had a blast, cut up, uh, made fun of each other, um, learned a little bit about Pastor Tim and his dog. Um, <laughs> we just had had a blast, had a really had a really really good time. I, I did promise the guys, uh, Tim shared a lot, and I got to share as well, and. Um, I, uh, unlike Pastor Tim, um, I will never begin a personal story with We were working the cows one day. That's how some of his stories started. Mine will never start that way, but that's a good thing. I uh, wanted to let you know again, this Friday's Friday Night Fire. Um, it's just, if you love to worship, this is your chance. It's an opportunity for you to get in God's presence and just. Relax and tell him that you love him and experience um, his power in your life. And so um, I'm excited about being a part of that. I normally don't lead worship very much around here, but um, I'm getting to lead worship here. And I'm calling in reinforcements. Uh, Johnny Payne, if, if you've ever heard him, is just fantastic. So excited about that. We're continuing our series called Sticks and Stones where we're talking about the power of words and how uh, the same scripture that tells us that Jesus is the Son of God in our salvation. He's the way, truth, and life is the same scripture that says we need to watch how we talk. They're equally God's word for us. So We're spending some time talking about this, and I I think it's great. Last week, we talked about um, words that help. Today, we're talking about words that hurt, and I love that this fell on Mother's Day because my mom um, was very instrumental in my life when it came to uh, making sure that I used my words correctly. Uh, there were several times when she did things I still remember today that, that you know, kind of brought us back to um, a spiritual mindset when it came to our words. I'll tell you one story. One time, a f- couple of people in our, in our uh, household were maybe arguing a little bit. I won't let you know who they are, but they were kind of going at it, as sometimes it happens in a family. And my mom was just so tired of it. She, she was just done with hearing you know, back and forth, back and forth. And so she walks to the front door. She opens the front door and says, Okay, Satan, come on in. They're calling for you. Everyone <laughs> stops and looks. And we're like, Okay, no, we hear you. See ya. Yeah, we're done. We're done. <laughs> the other thing that I remember, this is from being a teenager, is, you know, you, you get in high school and people start talking about each other and, and, and sometimes, you know, you start talking about people's reputation, who's dating who and that kind of stuff. And she said, it's a little off color, but she said something that, that we, I never forgot. She said, unless you were under the bed, don't talk about it. Which is really good advice. Now, that one time I was under the bed, no, I'm just kidding. but, But it was good because it was a reminder like, you weren't there, it's gossip. And you need to hold yourself to a higher standard. So, thank you, mom, and thank you, moms, for making sure that we use our words correctly. We've been talking about the fact that words are tools. They can be used to help, they can be used to hurt, or they can be used to bring hope in our lives and the lives of others. We've been talking about what I like to call the grow-up verse, Proverbs 18, 21, grow-up. Those are two grow-up ages for us, 18 and 21. It says this, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. When I first heard this verse, when I was a young child, I did not understand what it meant. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love the tongue or those who love to talk, those who talk too much, those who talk unrestrained will eat its fruit. Or, in other words, will have to deal with the consequences. So, see, every word that you say is like planting a seed. That seed grows into a tree. That tree bears fruit. And you will eat the fruit of your words. Even if they're intended for someone else. You know, you're the first person that hears what you say. Even if you're directing it at someone else. So it does affect you. Don't you we can't think that it does not affect us. Now, you know, we're, we're kind of halfway through this. Next week we're going to take a break. But we're going to end May with words of hope. Where we're going to go on the offense and talk about how we can intentionally and deliberately use our words to bring hope to the world around us. But... We're still on defense here. We're talk, we're, you know, I'm, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit convicts me, convicts you, convicts all of us to step it up when it comes to how we use our words. And, and so in light of that, though, sometimes you, know, you, you, feel, you ever feel like you just can't do anything right, and when it comes to our words, you're like, oh, God, is this really a big deal? Are my words really a big deal? Is, it, is this what we should be talking about? And I just want to say to you this morning, unequivocally, absolutely, 100%, yes, your words are a really big deal. It's a big deal. And I want to show you some scriptures. As a matter of fact, I'm having trouble in three sermons about words paring down which scriptures to use. There's so much in the Bible about this. Psalm 141, verse 3, it says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Where do you put a guard? You put a guard in front of something that's important. You put a guard in front of a bank vault, not in front of a trash can. And, And so it's important. When something's important, valuable, and it matters, you put a guard. And so I love how the psalmist is saying, Lord... Put a guard over my mouth. This is really important. James chapter three nine through ten. James chapter three is this whole this whole passage on our words. James, the brother of Jesus, he was known as James the Just back there. That I, I like that. If you just want to throw out there, Jamie the Just. Uh, I mean, it's, I won't. I won't correct you. So what I'm saying, but you certainly don't have to. But James the just, James the brother of Jesus, he was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. He writes this letter. It circulates to all the different Christians. He spends, now James is like boom, 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 boom. Conviction, do this, act right. But then he spends a lot of time talking about our words in chapter 3. And so let's read some of this. Uh, Verses 9 through 10, it says, With the tongue we praise our God and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Isn't that crazy? We we praise God and we'll get here and we'll, you're worthy of it all. We'll just sing and, and lavish our love on the Lord. And then someone cuts us off on the way out of the parking lot. We're like, what an idiot! Well, that idiot is made in the same likeness and image as that God that you were just saying was worthy of it all. And that doesn't make sense. See, here's the problem. The scripture continues, can fresh water and salt water come from the same stream? And the answer is no, because as soon as you introduce salt, the fresh water is now salt water. So it's a really big deal that God cares a lot about this. You can't love God and not love his children. It's the same with me. You, you can't say, Jamie, I, I really like you, man. I'm, I'm glad you're my pastor. I'm glad I go to VFC. But your kids, whoo, don't like them at all. I make fun of them all the time. I talk about them behind their backs like you and I are going to have a problem. You can't love me and not love my kids. And it's the same with God. You can't love him worship him. Oh, we love you, Lord. And then rail against his children. It is important Luke chapter 6 verse 45. Jesus is talking here. He says a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury or the storehouse or the savings account of a good or of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart or out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow, what you have stored up the most in your heart is what you're going to say. Now, there's this idea in our culture where people will act like crazy people, totally unrestrained, and then they'll say, well, God knows my heart. No, I know your heart because I just heard you talk. Uh, don't don't blame this on God like y'all have got some sort of secret code. I know what's going on in your heart because of what you said, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So don't fool yourself. Don't think that I'm really a good—I I trash people with my words. I use words that hurt all the time, unrestrained, don't really make any effort to change. But, uh, but God, God really knows what I think. No, mm-mm. I know what you really think because of your words, according to Scripture. According to Jesus. So yeah, this is important. Matthew chapter 15. Verse 18, it says, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. Jesus was being corrected by the religious people about what he did, what he ate, and, and what was holy. Not breaking some of their laws. He goes, look, it's not, it's not what, what you eat, what you put in your body that defiles you. It's what comes out. It's your words that defile you turning it back around on them. Obviously, their words were not very good. You know, the word defile, we don't use the word defile a whole lot. I don't like, well, that really defiled someone. We use the word pollute a lot, right? Pollution, we talk about pollution. It's similar, you could use the word pollute here. Um, It's actually, it's one of the possible definitions of this word in the Greek. Your words pollute you. Your words pollute you. I'll never forget, this is not a win for me. Uh, When I was youth pastor a long time ago, uh, I took a group of kids to the mountains, and uh, there was a stream... Um, and uh, some of them just wanted to go swimming in the stream, and I was like, ah, okay, yeah, whatever, no big deal. So a few of them got in the water, were messing around, splashing water at each other and all that. And so we, were, we had, our, had our fun. We were walking back up to, to, the, to the van on the side of the road, because that's how we roll, and, uh, and we saw a sign that said, Warning, no swimming. This water contains fecal matter <laughs> from fecal matter. From sewage runoff. So we took a group photo around the sign. and uh, <laughs> It was so disgusting. I was like, I'm so glad I didn't get in the water. And don't tell your parents. Um, <laughs> we were in Pakistan a couple of weeks ago. And there's this river that, that separates one of the main highways there. It's about, it's about as wide as this room is. And, and, uh, but it was, it was disgusting. It was like this nasty brown water. And you can see stuff floating in it, cups. And I'm like, oh, I just had spoken to our our host. And I said, wow, that's, that's a really polluted river. They're like, yeah, it's really polluted. And then I see people doing cannonballs into it. And swimming in it. He's like, yeah, some people actually bathe in it. It's their only source of water. And I'm like, ugh, disgusting. But here's the thing. You come into church and you worship. And you praise God, but then you go out and you pollute your own environment by your words. It's just like swimming in that water. And look, it's your choice. Does this matter? Yes, it matters. It matters. It affects the quality of your life. It affects the quality of your relationships. It undoes. It can potentially. Your words can undo the cleaning that gets done when you meet with God. So I encourage you, <laughs> yes, this matters. So let's talk about how to avoid words that hurt. How to avoid words that hurt. By the way, all of our notes are in our church app. If you haven't downloaded it yet, you can go there. Download it. Sunday's at VFC, and you'll see sermon notes, and we've got some fill-in-the-blank sermon notes where you can keep up. All the scriptures are there as well, so you can read along. How to avoid words that hurt. I got four things for you here real quick. First one is this, is eliminate fighting words from your vocabulary. Eliminate fighting words from your vocabulary. I'll, I'll tell you what that means in, um, in just a little bit, but I want you to see Proverbs 15.1. says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See, depending on how you choose to respond to people... How you choose to respond in the middle of a a heated uh, conversation or an argument or even, yes, a fight. How you respond determines the course of the entire conversation. You can change your words around. You can deliberately use different words than the words you might want to use so that it will calm down the situation instead of escalate the situation. But, but you, have to, you have to learn how to recognize some of these fighting words, and they may not be what you want. Now, obviously, name-calling is, is, you know, we, don't, we shouldn't call each other uh, names, especially husbands and wives. I, I say this a lot, but it blows my mind that, that husbands and wives would be mean to each other. There is one person out of the 7 billion people on the planet that wants to live with you, and you're going to be mean to them. <laughs> I mean, you should, like, thank them every day. Thank you for putting up with me. But yet, what happens is we start punching. We just start punching because we're mad. And who gets hit? The person who's closest. Well, we gotta, we got to quit punching. So, so I'm, I'm even talking about, I'm assuming you know that. I'm assuming you know that we don't call our spouses names and, and berate them. But there's there's other fighting words as well that you can use that maybe most people don't think about these. But here's, here's some fighting words. Always and never. Always and never. Always and never can be fighting words. Why? Because they're absolutes. You never do this. You always do that. Okay, well, first of all, that's not true. You never do the dishes. Well, I can think back in in 2003, I did do the dishes. (laughs) What does that do? These are absolute statements, always and never. They immediately put someone on the defensive Instead of talking about the issue at hand, their mind goes to defending themselves. So they start t- talking. They start thinking about that time way back when when they did do the thing that you just said they never do. You never. You never say I love you. Well, that's not true. I'm sure. I'm sure. At least <laughs> during your wedding vows, you did, right? So, so, so when you when you speak in absolute terms like this, it puts the person on the defensive. There, it, it changes the purpose of the conversation. Now we're no longer trying to solve a problem. We're defending ourselves. So, so, I, so these, these are fighting words. These are escalating words. Always and never. It's funny. Our families talked about this, and we've told our, our children, you know, don't, you know, don't use always or never. It it's it's throws someone in a corner, and it invites them to fight their way out. And and many years ago, one of the kids told, you always do this. And they go, oh, woo-woo, so-and-so said always. (laughs) Like it was a bad word. So always and never, these can be fighting words. Here's another one, is past failures. Bringing up past failures when you're dealing with someone, if it has absolutely nothing to do with the subject at hand, those are fighting words. Same reason. You know, oh, well, this is just like the time when you X, Y, and Z. Well, no, it's not. No, it's not. And what you just did—see, the only reason to bring up a past failure that's unrelated to the discussion at hand is to hurt the other person. It's just a jab. It's—it's it's a jab, and and it's—it's it's, you're not trying to solve a problem. You're just trying to punish them. And so, bringing up past failures, and and uh, you know, uh, this is those of you with good memories you tend to do this more often right and so you just have to be careful you have to steward your memory not everything is related to everything that happened in the past and if you bring up past failures on a regular basis especially the more distance there is between the topic at hand and what you're bringing up you put again you put a person in a defensive mode they can't talk they can't deal with the issue at hand because they have to deal with your with your punch they have to deal with, with, with your aggression bringing up the past. So, I mean, you, you, I mean, you can continue to do this, but you're, you're going to be using words that hurt. You're going to hurt the people that you love. Here's another one. Another, another type of word that hurts is, is tone. You've got to watch your tone. You've got to be really, really careful about how you say things. Uh, when I do marriage counseling, I'll talk about this. Um, we have a whole section called "Of uh, Fighting Fair, about how to be good at conflict resolution. And, you know, your tone is actually more, the tone in which you say something is actually more important than what you say. Now, I remember hearing that. I, I, I studied communication and marketing in college, and uh, I remember hearing that for the first time and thinking, "Nah, that's not true. Come on. Your tone is more important than your actual words, but it's absolutely true. I mean, if I, if I look at, Uh, If I look at someone, i say, like, man, get out of here. I don't like you. I mean, I just said mean words. Get out of here. I don't like you. That's really mean. But y'all know that I, I was just messing around because of my tone. But you could also, we could do the opposite. You could say nice words, say it in a better way. Say, you're wonderful. You're great. Well, I said nice things, but I said it like a moron, right? That was sarcastic. So your tone is more important than your words. It really is. And you've got to watch your tone. Which leads me to the second way that we can avoid words that hurt is we've got to learn to manage our emotions. Manage our, if you think about it, when you said the harshest things that you've ever said to someone, it was always in a state of heightened emotion. And so we've got to learn how to manage our emotions. Check out Proverbs twenty nine eleven. It says... Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Fools vent their anger. Wow, I'm just I'm just venting. Maybe you're a fool. (laughs) I mean, I didn't write this. Fools vent their anger, but the wise, wise people quietly hold it back. You know, emotions aren't the truth. Emotions aren't the truth. I've heard it put this way. Emotions are a gauge, but not a guide. They help you gauge where you are, but they aren't what you live by. Let me, let me, and I've used this example before, but let me, I, I love this. I, I love when I had this realization, your emotions are much like a thermostat. Let me, so a thermostat in your home, you set it to a certain degree. Like, so you put it at 73 degrees. And it measures the ambient temperature around. When when the ambient, if it's on cool, when the ambient temperature goes to 74, then boom, the air kicks on. Starts blowing cold air to bring it back down to 73. If the ambient temperature in the room is 72 degrees, it doesn't turn on because you're under that threshold, you're under that boundary. Are you with me? In the same way, when your environment goes beyond a boundary, an expectation that, that you have set in your mind, emotions kick on. Just like a thermostat. So, so you've got a conviction that people should put up their shopping cart at Walmart. I've got that conviction. It's a very deeply held conviction. And I see someone put it behind someone else's car. Anger. Girl- <laughs> And that's a silly example. Or here's one. Uh, Here's a positive one. I mean, uh, happiness is an emotion. Let's say, you know, you walk into work and and you didn't expect anything. Your boss calls you in and they say, hey, you know, you've done a fantastic job. We're going to give you a raise. Boom. Unexpected. The, The temperature, the ambient temperature has changed. So happiness turns on. You see how emotions work? Emotions aren't the truth. They're a gauge to how your environment is matching your desires. But they're not the truth. You don't live by your emotions. We've got to manage our emotions. Look, you're going to feel anger. You're going to feel sadness. But, but you don't live by that. Romans 6.12 says, Don't let sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. See, a lot of the sin that happens in our life is because of a passion, an emotion, a feeling. I just feel this way. Well, that doesn't mean it's true. It just means it's what you feel. And, and we've got to learn how to manage these emotions. Look, it's in a marriage context, in a, in, a, in a parent-child context, in a boss-employee context, if your anger, if something's happened, your ambient temperature's off, your emotions have turned on, you might need to go cool down before you talk. Or you're going to use words that hurt. And especially in, a, in an employee-employer um, context, you could really mess your life up. If, if, you, if you allow those words to kick in. So we've got to manage our emotions. We've, we've got to learn to be aware of what I'm feeling right now. Is this the truth? No, my ambient temperature is off. And my emotions have kicked in, but that doesn't give me permission to say whatever I want to in this moment because I don't want to use words that hurt. Third way that we can avoid words that hurt is remember who you're talking to. Remember who you're dealing with. Every person that you've ever said a word to is made in the image of God, is an image bearer. That's what Genesis says. When, When God says, let us make man mankind, it's the general word for man, it's not male. Let us make mankind in our own image, male and female. He made them both in the image of God and in his likeness. Any person that you're dealing with, they might not be acting like they're in the image of God, but they still are in the image of God. And if you're talking to a Christian, they have God inside of them. <laughs> and whatever you're saying to them, you're saying to him. You need to be careful. We've got to remember who we're talking to. And this matters to God. Ephesians 4, this chapter really deals with our words and treating people, how we treat people. But... I love this this passage. It says this, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You know that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. The word here, grieve, it means to make sad. You know you can make God sad? You know that you hold that power? Now, most of us, before we continue reading, if you, if you, if you hear someone say, well, you just made God sad. You mean, oh, no, I was smoking. <laughs> Or I was, I was committing this sin, or I was doing, you know, we tend to think of like, the, like, a, like a, or a big sin. Yeah, you know, adultery or murder, this makes God so sad. Well, there is disappointment that he experienced because those sins hurt us, and they hurt other people. But I find it very interesting that when he said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, don't make the Spirit of God sad, He continues and he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, clamor's loud arguing, and slander, talking about someone, gossip, be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Isn't it interesting when he talks about don't grieve the Holy Spirit? It's not these big, gross sins that we all think of. It's how you speak to other people. That's where he goes. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Put away bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, loud fighting. This, this, is, this, is, this is what grieves the Holy Spirit. He doesn't like this when we talk to each other this way, when we use words that hurt. Just be tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Tenderhearted is a funny word in the Greek. I just real quick, uh, it means um, uh, having weak bowels, <laughs> literally. And and don't yeah, okay. All the jokes are coming to my head. I'm not going to say those. But he, here's here's what it means, though. It's the equivalent for us today. If we said, you know, that just really hurts my heart. If you hear a story about someone something bad, oh, that just hurts my heart. That's what tenderhearted means. Okay, being tenderhearted. Uh, uh, Forgiving one another. Why? Because God in Christ forgave you. He set, he set the template for us. And Lord knows we've done some crazy stuff. <laughs> and so we forgive. We don't use words that hurt. We remember who we're talking to. That person at the very least is an image bearer of God. And if they're a believer, they're the house of God. They're his home. You wouldn't go up to God's home and toilet paper it. Right, I used to toilet paper houses back in high school. I don't recommend it. It was fun. Or you wouldn't egg his house. You wouldn't go up to God's house and egg it and throw dirt on it. right? But that's what you do when you do it to a believer because that's where the Lord lives. Last way that we avoid words that hurt is we commit to the lifelong process. I would love to end with some good news this morning, but it's not going to end this way. I got, I got some bad news. Again, back to James, who writes this amazing passage about our words. James 3, 7 through 8. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. All right, love you guys. See you later. <laughs> hey. I mean, what's he saying? He's like, don't ever think... That you've got this part of your life figured out. Don't ever take a break. Don't ever think, you know, i got the words thing figured out. I'm good with this. I'm good. I'm cool. I figured out how to, to use my words correctly. I'm good to go. Let's go focus on something else. No, you're always going to need to give attention to this area of your life. It, it's it's untamable. And you know, Tiffany and I were talking about this last night. We were talking about, um, there were some, you remember Siegfried and Roy? And Roy... One of one of the, the partners in that in that act in Vegas, you know, they had tigers, and they had never had an incident. And then I think it was like 2003. One of the tigers almost killed Roy. And I mean, and they, you know, because, why? Because it's a tiger. It's not a house cat. I mean, they're rough enough, you know, but a tiger, you know, you can never get too comfortable. With a wild animal, can you imagine inviting a lion into your house? This is my pet, you know, Simba or whatever, and he's gonna he's gonna sleep in my bed at night. Or now, some of you might have snakes as pets. I, you know, I, we'll pray for you guys later. But but, can you imagine just a king cobra letting him in your house? And here we're gonna hang out. I can tame this thing. No, you can't. He's full of deadly poison. It's the same with your mouth. I'm sorry, I'd love to tell you that eventually you're going to get to the point where you never have to worry about this, but that's not the truth. You're always going to have to deal with this. You need to commit to the lifelong process of taming your tongue. Look, you're never going to win the war, but you can manage the battles. You, you, You can manage your tongue by the help of the Holy Spirit and His grace. And so my question to you this morning is this. Do your words hurt others? Well, be honest. How are you doing in this area of your life? It's really important. I mean, just look at all the scripture. I used about six verses last week. I I used around nine or 10 this morning. I'm going to use more in the future. Look at all these verses about how you use your words. What about you? All this instruction from the Lord on how to speak. Do your words hurt others? Think about this. Do your words hurt God? Because here's the thing. If your words hurt others, then your words do hurt God. You grieve his spirit. Let's do some business with the Lord. Let's stand. I want this church. I want your family. I want this city, this county, this region. To be one of the most loving, life-affirming groups that uses our words deliberately, intentionally, and on purpose to build people up, not tear people down. There's so much of that going on, you guys. Come on, be different. All you got to do is go on social media and you hear people just ranting and raving and just, oh, that's just terrible. It's awful. Come on, be different. You, you, maybe you want to know how to shine your light to a community, shine your light to a lost world? This is a really big way. You know, you're different. Why don't, I don't ever hear you talk about anyone. You know, I've noticed whenever people start gossiping, you just walk away. You know, I, I've noticed that, that, that you and your spouse, even though you disagree on things, you have to work through things. You don't yell at each other. You don't hurt each other. You don't cut each other with your words. I've noticed that. What's the difference? This is a major evangelism tool. If he can learn... How to steward your words so that they don't hurt others. Close your eyes for a moment. Let's ask the Holy Spirit. In your own words, under your breath, come on, just do some business with him. Say, Holy Spirit, do my words hurt others? You may think of a specific person, of a specific thing that you've said recently. For some of you, you you might need to make some phone calls. Some of you, some of you, ooh. Some of you, your mom's sitting at home, and it might be all her fault, but you need to do the right thing. You need to make up with her. You need to use your words to bless, not to hurt. And you might and some, some of you, it's your dad, some of you it's a brother or sister. It's time, it's time to use words that heal, not words that hurt. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you in this moment. How are you doing? Do your words hurt others? Holy Spirit, show us if we need to apologize to someone. Lord, if someone's hurt us with their words and we've been unable to release it, give us the strength to release it. Give us the grace to release it. I want to lead you in a prayer where we commit to the Holy Spirit to help us with this. So if you will, pray this after me and say, "Lord Jesus, I want to use my words in a way that help other people. I don't want to hurt other people. So I commit to you. I'm going to use my words to heal. Help me, Holy Spirit when my emotions turn on and I'm about to say something bad, convict me in that moment. I give you permission. And if I do make a mistake, may I be quick to repent and make it right with others. I yield this area of my life to you and I ask you for help. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thou will you... Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.